0: Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast and create some terms hey guys Jonathan here Uh, just real quick
1: wanted to apologize uh, for the audio quality on the next couple episodes I was using my good mic but uh, I was at a coffee shop and we were recording over um, the uh, over a zoom call so um, we were doing a video recording of it which we're going to be putting on our YouTube channel Um, so you can see that there but uh, the uh, internet connection was a little unstable at times. Um, so if, uh, if you get that, um, I apologize. And then uh, there might be some background noise. So just wanted to uh, let you know about that. Hope you guys enjoy these episodes. Um, there's so much to learn here. And uh, please give us some feedback. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Jeff for And today, guys, we, um, we're doing kind of a conference call. And uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about when to use the various strategies for creative financing. So, um, Jeff, you want to talk about that a little bit? I know you get a lot of questions on when you should use what. So, uh, we wanted to make an episode on that. Um, we should use a lease option versus contract for deed uh, versus all inclusive, so on and so forth, right?
2: Correct. And I think that uh, there, for some people, this will be a total review, which you know isn't a bad thing. But for some others, I think they're getting confused about um, some of the differences and what they actually mean. Uh, and some of them are interchangeable where you could use, uh, it's kind of up to you, and, but you need to know what the, the potential consequences are of using one strategy over another. So I thought this would be a good time. We haven't covered this for probably like a year, and uh, it'll be a good review for some, and for others, it'll be hopefully uh, very helpful in terms of you know, what kind of strategies to look at
1: okay so I guess let's just start with the five right
2: well let's talk about let's kind of group them because because we're dealing with people all over the country uh, some of the terminology we use may not actually apply to them it's but it does but it doesn't because there's just different terminology so let's kind of group them that way people can get a little better idea of you know how they all work okay so the, So we have what's called the lease option, okay? Lease option is pretty straightforward. It's a rent with the option to buy. Uh, So you actually have a lease, uh, the seller stays on title, seller maintains all the tax benefits, uh, ownership. Uh, What the tenant buyer gets is uh, control of the property, so to speak and uh with the option of buying at a certain price within a certain amount of time okay lease options are are great i don't love them when you try to stay in the middle what we refer to as a sandwich lease option Uh there's some issues and um, there are ways around it so don't get me wrong uh And if you want more information about sandwich lease options, there's two people that I think are super, uh, they focus on this kind of stuff. And uh, that would be Joe McCall and John Jackson. Uh, So if you're interested in creating sandwich lease options, particularly those are the two that I would recommend you look up and see what they have to offer. Right. These options are great in my opinion, that the best time to use them is when you have acquired a property, you are now the owner, whether you've gotten conventional financing, whether you've gotten owner financing, uh, whether it's subject to or what, it doesn't even matter. As long as you own the property, you now can rent the property with the option to buy. And one of the key things that I like about it, two things. One is that instead of getting a security deposit, you're going to get an option deposit and it's going to be considerably more than a security deposit. And that, that money is non-refundable. You get to keep it no matter what happens. That money gets applied toward the purchase price if and when that tenant buyer buys. Uh huh. The second thing that I really like is that I've always, given all of the responsibility of the maintenance and repairs, all the utility costs, everything, to the tenant buyer, I usually give them like a 60-day window, Uh, so for the first 60 days, uh, while they're getting used to the property and figuring out what works, what may not work, that at that point, when 60 days comes, they're now responsible for everything. And so, if the furnace goes out, they got that—that's their issue. The roof starts leaking; it's now their issue. Those are the real benefits of uh, the lease option, and it's a pretty easy sell to the seller because, in reality, all they're doing is renting their property with the possibility that you may purchase somewhere down the line.
1: Right. Okay. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, lease options are pretty easy to understand they're simple and they've been around for a very long time
2: yeah and most people understand them i think really where uh the concern is is that uh at least for me when when you try to stay in the middle yes you can put a notice of interest or um i can't remember what it's called the memorandum of something uh uh, untitled to kind of cloud the title that way you're you know you're not getting cut out of the deal but there are some issues for you to get paid at the end it's not an issue up front you can get your monthly cash flow it's getting the equity at the end that is a little messy and you've got to you either have to deal with the seller or you've got to deal with a lender and I don't love it uh, that that wouldn't be what I would do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that is just because, um, you, you're not a owner on title. So that's kind of one of the drawbacks is when you're not you nowhere, the owner on, on title, nowhere on title. Yeah, exactly. You're not, you're not on title. So, I mean, you're, you're trying to get paid in the middle between the buyer that you lined up and the seller. And so, um, I don't know how you would just maybe escrow, or bill, bill the escrow company or do a title invoice. I'm not sure what.
2: Yeah, there, there are some issues and, uh, sometimes you've got to go back to the seller and work something out, in which case you'd probably be letting the seller know how much money you're going to make. Uh, which I don't love. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 sometimes, sometimes you're, it, it's a little messy because, when the lender is doing the loan, again, you're nowhere on title, uh, and somehow you've got to get, not on title, but you've got to get on the HUD, where you know, your, your payment, your equity is coming to you, and it's not that simple. Uh, it's doable. Don't get me wrong. It's doable. I know people that do it all over the country. I just don't like it. Uh, it it's a little messy. I'd rather do the same thing, but use owner financing, doing it. Uh, even if I'm not on title, as I would be like a land contract or contract for deed, uh, right. there's still uh, there is you are still going to be in that um, that uh, what is the term that I'm looking for that you're you're going to be in uh, well. Uh, that chain of title, that's what I'm looking for, chain of title.
1: Yeah, and and if you're not in the chain of title, um, again, like the only thing I can think of is like kind of the way a listing agent gets paid on a property is that fee is on the HUD, right? It's on the settlement statement and the escrow company pulls that off. So that's that you would have to get on that HUD somehow. And you can do that by invoicing title uh, for the difference. Um, or I mean, it could even be set up as a finder's fee, something like that.
2: Yeah, to me, it's like, think about this, and and then we'll cut this off, because this really, I don't really want to talk about lease options a whole lot here, but uh, if, let's say that you, your tenant buyer is ready to buy, and your seller says, hmm, um, prices have really gone up. I'm really selling this property well under market value. And I don't know if I really want to do this anymore and tries to back out. Uh, Going to have a difficult time backing out with the tenant buyer. But where are you? How are you protected? Yes, I know you've clouded the title and you can make it so that the purchase doesn't actually occur. But now you've got to still try to get yourself paid, and if you have a decent amount of money coming, if you had twenty-five, thirty, forty thousand dollars coming to you, it's very possible you're going to have to chat with the seller about how you're going to get that money and how it's all going to work. And if that seller is already not very happy that they're selling their property for way under market value at this point in time, and then they find out that you're making a significant amount of money. Could be an issue.
1: Yeah, and, and the only, I mean, you can't really force them to sell the property, and you would have to take them to court at least um, to make them try to perform on that contract or on that lease option. Um, but I mean, that's where it could really get ugly if it, if it went that route.
2: I love lease options when you are the owner. I love lease options to wholesale. I just don't love lease options to stay in the middle. Right. and. Again, if you were looking for more information, I gave you two good people that you can check into.
1: Yep. Cool. All right. Moving on. So that kind of segues seg- right into uh, another strategy we use called Contract for Deed. You want to talk about that?
2: Not yet. So what, what I want to do is kind of start at the beginning and let's talk about the, the most basic type of strategy and this is called either a trustee to note or a mortgage. And uh, really the only difference between the two is depending on what state you are working in. Some states are mortgage states, some states are trustee and note states. Uh, they are basically the same thing. They secure a debt against a property, just like a bank that's making a loan they would get a mortgage or a trust deed and note the trust deed secures their interest in the property the note outlines how they get paid for uh, you know whatever they've agreed to with the buyer right uh, or lender or or borrower sorry Uh, so they work exactly the same the only difference really is, is what state that you're dealing in. And uh so you have trustee to note states and you have mortgage states. The the when we're gonna use that trustee to note or mortgage is when the property is free and clear. And we are going to create a new note to the seller and the seller is literally going to finance us. And just like the bank would exactly the same way. And title is going to transfer to the buyer, the buyer is now going, if you looked it up on the county recorder of that particular county, you would see yourself or your entity or your trust or whatever the case may be as the new owner of that property. And if you dug deeper, you would see a trustee to note or a mortgage back to the seller. Is that clear? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the most elementary part of you know financing. I mean, yeah. this is what you're dealing with when you go deal with a bank. Uh, it's the same exact thing that you're dealing with, except with the seller. Right. When free and clear, when there's no debt owed against the property or any debt is going to be extinguished prior to closing or at closing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay.
2: All right, so now let's talk about um, the next, which is when we're creating a note and there is underlying debt on the property, uh, and we're going to leave that underlying debt in place. Basically, three different types of strategies that you would use. One is called an all-inclusive trustee to note. That would be for all the trustee to note states where we're basically creating a new note that's going to wrap around the existing note. Along those same lines, we have what's called a wraparound mortgage. That's for all the mortgage states. And same thing, we're creating a loan that wraps around the existing debt. Right. Okay. And then the third one would be subject to the mortgage, which is, uh, in essence, the seller is deeding you the property, and you are, you are now the owner of the property along with the debt that's already on it. The debt remains in the seller's name. The seller is responsible for that debt. If that debt does not get paid, that comes back on the seller, not the buyer. Uh, but you now own the property. People right. love subject to the mortgage. I do as well you just got to be super careful how you deal with it because there are potential issues that can come back to you down the road that you're you didn't want, you didn't expect and you really shouldn't have to deal with unless of course you stop making payments on the debt.
1: Yeah, and one thing we always mentioned on our podcast is that you don't want to uh, for the long term you don't want to just wholesale it. Um, and I mean cuz if your buyer Falls through on payments down the road, um, then you know that's that's where it can you can get into trouble. Or you know, long term, if the seller wants to get another house, buy another house at some point, that that can be an issue as well.
2: And we'll talk a little more in depth about that in just a minute. Okay. But subject to again, you are actually receiving the deed, so title is transferring. Uh, the debt is staying in the seller's name. And you then have some agreement that you will continue to make those payments for whatever term that you decide uh, into the future. Right. Uh, And we'll we'll talk about some good and bad with some of these, but let's talk about how the all inclusive and the wraparound work. Uh, So, if Jonathan, if you had a house that uh, you're selling to me for 100,000, you owe 50 on it and I offer you $80,000, and uh, I'm going to give you $10,000 down, I want you to have a note for 70000 Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to create terms on that note. And one of the things that I need to know is, hey, what are the terms on your underlying note? Because really wouldn't be worthwhile for me to make terms that are that don't at least match or exceed your terms on your underlying note. Right. And when I say that, interest rate doesn't have to be the same, but the monthly payment needs to be at least as much as what you're paying. I don't really want you coming out of pocket yeah. every month to to cover your mortgage.
1: Yeah, there can um, be a deficiency.
2: Yeah, and if my interest rate is not the same, if it's you know significantly less, I don't want to drag it out so long that, that my principal balance will eventually catch up to your principal balance and exceed it. When I say exceed it, it will be less than your balance. So, hey, some point in the future, you may have to come to the closing table with money to sell the property. Right. So th- those are some of the things that you need to be aware of. But w- what we're doing is creating a new note. And we're wrapping that around that. So in essence, I know. if I now own your property, you've sold it to me, title has transferred when we do this kind of deal, all-inclusive or wrap around. I am now on title. I now pay, let's say, and I would always recommend this, set up a third-party escrow service anytime that there is an underlying loan. Mm-hmm. I will make my payment to the under, to the escrow service. They will then make the payment to the bank, the underlying loan, whatever's left over, they will send to the seller. They will also, if escrow needs to be set up for taxes and insurance, they can set that up. If it's already in your loan, your underlying loan, They will pay that payment to the bank and the bank will separate that out, taxes and insurance. Um, And that's how the the wrap or the all-inclusive work. So keep this in mind. And let's go back really quick. So lease option, we know that every loan that's made at all really, unless it's an owner finance loan, any kind of conventional loan, has a due on sale clause in it. And that due on sale clause means that if I transfer ownership of my property, the bank has a due on sale clause that means that they have the right to call that loan due if you don't pay them off. One of the misnomers out there is that it's not illegal to do all of this, but you need to be aware that the bank has that right. now. Should that worry you? Not really, Um, I've been doing this 19 years, I've had one loan, wasn't even called due, but they made me assume it, but they did it without any qualifying, so I didn't really care. And to be honest, if I had to do it all over again, I probably just wouldn't even respond to them. As long as they continue to collect payments, they can't call the loan due. They would literally have to stop taking payments and take this performing asset and make it a non performing asset. But as a lease option, you don't technically violate any due on sale clause. Right. As a subject to, you are absolutely violating the due on sale clause. Yeah. Trust our uh, trustee to note and mortgage, you're not because there's no loan. All inclusive and wraparound, you are. You are violating. Uh, title has transferred to someone else, you have not paid off the bank, you are violating the due on sale clause. So I wanted to make that clear um, yeah. that uh, some of these, uh, the, the reason why you need to know how some of them work is because, hey, sellers are going to have some questions. You need to know what the possible consequences are. You need to understand when to use what in what situation. Right. Okay, so was I clear enough on WRAP and all-inclusive?
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: Okay, so now let, let's deal with the last category, which is contract for deed, land contract. Uh, those are the, probably the two most popular names, but there's agreement for deed. There's, it might even be bond for deed. I mean, there's a number of different terms out there that basically mean all the same thing. And it works exactly like uh, the trustee to note or the all inclusive trustee to note, except for one major difference, and that is title does not transfer. Right. The, the seller remains on title. You have what's called an equitable interest in the property. You are the owner, you are allowed to. Do what you want with the property. And, you know, we've used this example a number of times, but it's exactly like buying a car. When you go to the car dealership and you pick out a car, you fill out the paperwork, you get financing, you leave with that car. That car belongs to you. You own the car. However, you don't have title to the car. Title remains with the bank. Right. You sell that car or you pay it off. You then get the title. You you wouldn't get the title if you sold it, but uh, title would go to someone else. Uh, Same exact thing here. So as contract for deed, um, land contract, and all the other terms out there, no title will transfer. So technically, and I say technically because there is a lot of gray area here, but technically you do not violate the due on sale clause. Could the bank still make a case? They could, but they're probably not going to win. They're probably going to give up before it ever became an issue. But that's why it's sometimes nice to use these types of strategies because if you have a seller that's really worried about the due on sale clause, you can almost eliminate it either using a lease option or a contract for deed land contract kind of strategy.
1: And and one thing here, Jeff, that in in our market there there is a known bank that um, that yeah. that we know of here in in Utah that notoriously calls uh, loans due if if they know that title has transferred. So anytime we see one of those loans on title, um, we this is a strategy that we would prefer to use over doing a, an all inclusive.
2: Yeah. And we've done episodes. I I know that we interviewed Jeff Braleo at one point. We talked about trust, a way of kind of disguising any kind of transfer. Uh, And there's a number of different ways to help protect yourself. We've talked about uh, leaving insurance in place so that you're not sending a red flag to a mortgage company. And so go back and listen to some previous episodes if you want to know. Hey, there, there are always ways to protect yourself, doing it whichever strategy you choose. But keep in mind that if, uh, if you offer contract for deed, it's almost like a hybrid between a lease option and uh, an all-inclusive or a trust deed and note. It's, it's kind of like in the middle. Because it's a little more than renting it. You're not renting it. You're selling and you're buying. But at the same time, the seller's remaining remaining untitled. So right. it, to me, it's a little easier sell to the seller. Uh, and one of the other things, and this, again, is dependent upon your market, that by using some of these contract for deed or land contracts, um, and we should talk about... Uh, this is one of the key reasons why you would use one over the other is how does your state or the state that you're working in handle default and right in utah we have a four-month basically foreclosure process so if we do a trustee to note or uh or, or mortgage we wouldn't do a mortgage but depending on where you are you're you're looking at a foreclosure process. So if you're in somewhere like Utah and it's four months, you should know that. Hey, it's going to be a minimum of four months to get the property back in case of a default. In some areas that there's they have uh, redemption periods which can last up to a year, and uh, so th- those might not be places where you want to use owner finance. You might want to use something a little different. Uh, and it might be contract for deed, or it might be land contract, or it might be a lease option. But you want to know what the default process is and how long of a period, and that will help dictate a lot more of what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, Lease option, there is no foreclosure, it's an eviction. Uh, Contract for deed and land contract may have some benefits, and that would be is that in Utah, at least, we have a forfeiture process where you can get the property back in about half as half the amount of time as a foreclosure, um, you know, 30 to 60 days, which is more like an eviction here. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you have that in your area, that might be something that you want to look at. You also may want to look at, hey, am I buying this property? Because if I'm buying it, I'd prefer to have title having title is the, the strongest position. Uh, so if I'm buying it, I may want to be on title. So I'd probably look at doing, uh, Hey, I'd rather do a wraparound or an all inclusive or a trust deed or a mortgage. So I'm on title, even a subject to, if I'm wholesaling, or, uh, I'm going to stay in the middle or something else. Uh, I want my buyer, for sure, to be on a lease option or land contract or contract for deed because, hey, if they default, I wanna be able to get the property back in the, the quickest way possible and not have to wait four plus months and continue to make payments during those four months where I'm not receiving any income.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, Does that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so the advice is talk to your local real estate attorney in your area. Um, and yeah, and and talk to your accountant. Um, if you, you know, if you need that kind of counsel, but, uh, you got to find out what that is in your state. Uh, Jeff, we're kind of right at time here. Do you want to keep going on this or you want to cut it?
2: No, I think, um, really what the whole goal of this was is to, make our listeners think a little bit about what process they're trying to, what, what they're trying to accomplish, right. uh, you know, what the default process is and, um, and what's best for all the people involved. And uh, so I wanted to just be clear. I've gotten a lot of questions and a lot of confusion about when to use what. So I just thought it would be a good idea that, we kind of try to straighten that out and if there's specific questions call in yeah let's let's deal with them so you're not out there in total confusion but these are the main types of strategies that are used regularly throughout the country and you've got to understand which ones are one going to work best in the market you're working in what's going to work best for you for the seller for a potential buyer and what the different consequences are with them.
1: Love it. Love it. Thank you, Jeff, for sharing that knowledge. Um, and we've kind of gotten, you know, a little deep into the weeds here, but uh, we've always told our listeners, if uh, if you don't understand what we're talking about with our podcast, you should go back and just start from the beginning because that's the best, uh, the best way you're going to learn it and uh, comprehend it. Um you can, and I really
2: think that's the issue is I think a lot of people, when they get introduced to the podcast, they start at the latest. And our podcast is a little different. It's more a little instructional. You got to start at the beginning. That's yeah. where, you know, we talked about the different strategies, the pros, the cons, the whatever.
1: Yeah. Our, uh, our podcast is a master class on creative financing. Um, oh, and exactly. it's very yeah. instructional. It's not now, hopefully, it's a little entertaining, but <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's kind of what differentiates us, Jeff, from, from some of the other podcasts out there. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening. Um, we greatly appreciate your ear. Um, we encourage you to pass this on to any anyone you may know that uh, is dabbling in real estate or is wholesaling or flipping houses um, because anyone can... anyone who invest in real estate can benefit uh, from from this information uh, guys you can reach us on our hotline with specific questions um, at 877 409 8090 again 877 409 8090 you can leave us a comment there um, if you have any questions uh, please please uh, give us a ring because we would really like this show to be uh, more of a show around answering your guys's questions about creative financing. So give us a call there. You can also reach us on the web at www.thecreativefinancingpodcast.com. That's where all of our episodes are. Um, and we're on Facebook, the creative financing podcast there. And we also have a YouTube channel, the creative financing show, um, so when we do these videos, we're uploading it to YouTube. So you can find us uh, all those places. So we're kinda out there now. Any last words, Jeff? Uh,
2: just a couple of things. One is that you know, we're working on some pretty cool things that we'll uh, um, start figuring out ways to get out there. Um, videos of me working through uh, calculations and, uh, how to put together offers on particular deals. And, uh, I do have an apprentice program. I'm looking, actually have two apprentice programs, uh, pretty much easy to work with. Um, uh, just contact us and I'll tell you all about it, but looking for people all over the country, um, one instructional two just kind of a a way to JV but uh, we'll give you all the information. Just call into the hotline, leave me your name and number, and I'll get back with you.
1: Perfect, guys. Until next time, create some terms.